0: what's up ladies and gentlemen uh all all f- feathered friends of the podcast we are here to do our last episode of uh, our japanese cinema month with a pick uh, coming out of left field, maybe for some who don't know the uh, kind of history there between these two films and and kind of Japanese cinema and American cinema where they bridged in a in a film that you may think is unlikely when we say what it is. But then when we break it down, you're going to be like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, Um and it's a film that I didn't think we'd ever talk about because, uh, we've got a couple of bones to pick with this film. Um, mm. and, uh, and I'm sure we will air it out, uh, this week. Um, we are doing, uh, the 1999 action cyber sci-fi, uh, smash hit from the Wachowskis, uh, the Wachowski sisters. Now, um, the matrix. Uh, and so, I'm your host, Bird Protocol, with my co-host, Otis. Otis, how are you feeling? I'm
1: feeling good. Feeling good to talk some shit on this uh, incredibly <laughs> overrated, just piece of, eh. Um, and
0: by proxy, we are going to talk about uh, a fantastic film. Uh, one of my favorite Japanese anime films, uh and uh a film that is stuck in my brain for a long time it was actually and i think it still might be a scene from ghost in the shells my twitter header oh, that's a movie ghost in the shell 1995's mm-hmm. ghost in the in the shell uh based on the ghost in the shell manga um the film was directed uh by uh mamoru oshi um and uh we'll kind of break. I'm sure you guys know the matrix. Some of you may know ghost in the shell, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go between the two of them as we're talking about the ways that they're similar and different. Um, But ghost in the shell is a fantastic movie. Uh, If you like cyberpunk anime, like this is a a film that influenced uh, pretty much all of American cinema by way of, of the aesthetics of the matrix and what they did in the matrix. Um, uh, and the way that the Wachowskis uh, took kind of the s- style and spirit of movies like Ghost in the Shell and Akira and put it into
1: yeah. actual film, um, and, yeah, and that the Wachowskis really just stole everything. <laughs> just everything interesting about the Matrix is from something else it exists before like the matrix is i it is either like just the biggest piece of theft ever or it's just like a postmodern masterpiece or a postmodern garbage it's such a strange film a lot of people it's you know, well, a lot of people have strong feelings about it. Mine are strongly negative towards it. But hey, you know what? I'm willing to talk about it because there's a lot of interesting conversation to talk about with The Matrix.
0: Yes, and I mean, the, the point of our this episode was to talk about the influence of Japanese cinema mm-hmm. on American cinema and kind of filmmaking, like stylistically, uh, and... Just kind of even the action uh, action pieces and action, you know, the way that they choreographed and the things that they did in The Matrix, which was such a huge uh, blockbuster, um, were directly taken from Ghost in the Shell and Akira and other uh, Japanese. Like, realistically, The Matrix, in my mind, I'm not as hateful about it as a uh, uh, not hateful is not the right word. Spiteful. Maybe. I don't know. Otis has bones to yeah. pick with this movie. I, I kind of understand what the matrix is. And I understand the context from my point of view of what, where, why it was made and all this stuff. Now I agree wholeheartedly that the Wachowskis, I would say a good 80 to 90% of that movie is just them retrofitting other ideas. And it's just a lot of pastiche and homage uh, and and almost seen shot for shot theft in some cases, um, but yeah. Tarantino does that. Scorsese exactly. does that. Like we can't mm-hmm. we can't really be. I can't really be like on them for it. I like the fact that when we were texting while we were watching it, you said that they're that this is a they're really great idea, people.
1: Yeah, no, uh, the Wachowskis like all their movies like you read the plot summary or like you know the the log line and you're like oh yeah that's fucking sick but in practice i don't think like they're that good like
0: i don't know a
1: lot of the dialogue in the matrix is really whack the (laughs) acting is kind none of the characters have any personality Mm. like whatsoever like they're kind of like even neo he does he goes through this whole thing and like by the end of it he's like not even he's like Almost like unfazed by it. It's like, dude, you just like, you literally just discovered your entire life is a lie and you're just kind of like, we're in the Matrix.
0: Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's, that's Keanu Reeves. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Sometimes I it know. works and, and sometimes like, it doesn't work. The thing work.
1: about the Matrix is that there's so many things of it that are iconic and just like, you know, just like, you know, like the bullet time, the fight scenes, you know, like the green, you know, you know, graphics, Rain, and, like, you know, just Neo, like, him as Neo, like, that. all of this, these Morpheus, like, these are iconic, like, things, but, like, the whole movie itself is just very, eh. And, like, I'm, like, I, I'm coming in this as, like, a fucking, like, detective trying to get to the bottom of why did this movie fucking resonate with millions of people like i well i mean this is what i
0: this is what i was talking about with you or trying to articulate with you while we were texting back and forth is that you have to look at the context of this film this film came out in 1999 um technically and as far as like action set pieces and stuff like that it was stuff that had never been seen before um the movie as you so aptly stated is the uh either the dumbest smart movie or the smartest dumb movie Um yeah
1: it's a smart movie for dumb people and, and i think so it, it's that's the thing that i disliked as like as a kid all my friends that were kind of dumb were like yo the matrix is such a smart movie i'm like it's simulation theory. Like, yeah,
0: sorry. I don't get it. Well, like, but you know what? It's
1: not so, that mind boggling. I you, don't know. Maybe, you, maybe I've just, I just grasped simulation theory and I'm just like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, I, maybe
0: yeah. you were just a smarter kid. But you have to understand for the wide populace, this was something, not only the action set pieces and all this stuff, but the philosophies that were being put out and the the stuff that they cave and like
1: shit like that. Yeah, it
0: was, it's, it's, it was something that people hadn't, it hadn't been broached that way in cinema that wasn't kind of like art film or kind of like really hard to parse through like a, a heavy existential drama. This movie has moments of pure action joy. Yeah, uh, but
1: it's, there's like sixty minutes of exposition. Well, Man, and that actually like, in my re- in my research,
0: that yeah. was phew, not the Wachowskis who did that. That was the studio. The original uh, script that they have, a lot of the stuff was added, or they and wanted more exposition so that people would understand what was happening. Which kind of is what makes it into the dumbest smart movie because they're explaining everything yeah. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I think my opinion on the matrix is that the matrix on its own, like cut away all of the, uh, stuff that happened afterwards, the, the, the discourse that happened afterwards, the sequels, all that stuff, cut that away because that's a pretty well, a tumor on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You cut away all that stuff, and then you look at the Matrix as it is, as what I think they wanted to make. They were wearing their influences on their sleeves. They were trying to uh, create this kind of world that adapts counterculture and philosophies, and also the influences of of Japanese film and cyberpunk, and you know, um, have heavily drew upon Neuromancer and books like that. You know, they were trying to make something. And they brought it to the studio and this finally got the studio to get involved with it, but they needed changes. They wanted things to happen differently. And through the process of making the film, it became what it was to me. I have a soft spot for it. I understand a lot of your gripes with it. I just am like, I don't really care. Like I still enjoy watching it, but I also understand that there are problems with it. And then also I'm the first person to say, I would rather watch ghost in the shell. Like, like like ghost in the shell did it better, did it first and did it with far more finesse, but Mm -hmm. ghost in the shell, which came out four years before. um, And, and they, the, the Wachowskis drew heavily from it along with Akira and other things. (laughs) made they made this uh uh you know it 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 kind of influenced what the matrix became and through that connection you got certain things added to the kind of general code of filmmaking that come directly from Japanese anime and Japanese kind of techniques and style and so Mm -hmm. that that's the kind of bridge That I find really interesting and I've always thought it was really interesting. And even before I even realized that ghost in the shell and the matrix, which I probably saw around the same time when I was like 15, that they, that they drew from each other, there were similarities, but I thought ghost in the shell was way older like I thought, it was from like the '80s or something, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. like they obviously," but they kind of were contemporary. They in the same, within the same five years. Um, and the the adaptation of aspects of Ghost in the Shell was very deliberate, so there is that through line where this kind of masterpiece anime film s- subtly wound up influencing all action and sci-fi movies afterwards. Um, But at the time in 1999, I don't think there were a lot of people that were out there renting Ghost in the Shell. You know, I don't think there were a lot of people who yeah. were like, family movie night, let's watch Ghost in the Shell, you know. Oh, hey, kids, what are you watching? Ghost in the Shell? No, the only anime that we had at that time was like Digimon and Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. Um, The kind of adult anime stuff hadn't kind of transferred over. So it's really, really weird and interesting um the matrix See, it's
1: weird you say that but then like two episodes ago or whatever we talked about like kiki's delivery service and that like, came out in like the 80s so like and like people knew like studio ghibli films and like those were like kids and like adult films as well so like
0: i guess you're right people, The pe- people, people probably did know
1: that like that's what you were saying earlier where people were, you were like saying like people are like taken back by anime and I was like what no like I don't know I don't think it was that like of an abrasive thing I think maybe the naked lady stuff maybe people are just like that but that's <laughs> yeah. because you know in the 90s especially in America you know is big christian right wing stuff you know but like I don't know I don't um, think it was that big of an issue like i don't know i think people were pretty open to but i think it's a different
0: i think people were open oh, well. to it but i think that when we were talking about kiki's delivery service and the other ghibli films um i think that it was also kind of the content that they were films that were made for kids and families uh, i
1: guess yeah they're more fantasy yeah based, like, whereas that, like, like ghost in the shell like i guess you, you is look more at, presented of like this is more of a future because like yeah. you know obviously you know corporate overlord type shit you know well if
0: you and if you look um, at Ghost like in the,
1: inevitable if
0: you look at the poster even for ghost in the shell the different posters they're all it's all uh uh um it's all uh what's her name Matoko uh mm-hmm. naked with like wires in her and stuff You know, like, I think that there was, like, an aspect of people who would see that immediately and be like, I'm not giving this a chance, as opposed to My Neighbor Totoro, which has a funny-looking, fun cat and kids bouncing around on the front of it. You know what I mean? And at the time, anime was more of a kid's thing. Like, I don't think, I think that there was a level of, like, austerity to Ghibli films because they were backed by Disney, uh, with Kiki's Delivery Service being the first one. Like, I think that there was like a, a some there was a, a divide because I remember being that young and being 10 years old and loving Pokemon and Digimon and all that stuff. But hearing parents being actually kind of not against it, but like they didn't understand it was like something that was different. And yeah. then, you know, you get past like the, the kind of everyday layman would hear about anime and look up anime and then immediately see all these insane things like Akira and Ghost in the Shell have some wild ass visual stuff going on there right like and yeah you see they see that and would be apprehensive towards it I I think you're right though that that was a, I was just spitballing and saying oh yeah like you know like I think that more people what I guess I was trying to say is at the time I felt like more people would go see the Matrix than they would see Ghost in the Shell like the Matrix is In my mind, as I said, I watched it as if I was watching an anime and it made more sense. And I was like, "Okay, this is them being like, we want to make our ghost in the shell for American people and throw all of these things, these countercultural ideas and Japanese style and and references to anime and other movies and all these generic conventions. We're going to flip on their head or we're going to play straight just because we like those conventions. And then they put it out and it's. It's not hand-drawn figures, go, you know, it's not hand-drawn animated film. It's not, uh, you know, it, it was, here's Keanu Reeves, an action star doing cool things. Here's Lawrence Fishburne, you know, uh, I know Kung Fu, show me, you know, like it's, it's like <laughs> they kind of took all these ideas, put it together and created this kind of capsule of these niche things and then yeah. gave it to, to society. but because it was it had the stars it had the the critical praise and everything and it also had the great action technical uh, they, it won oscars for mm-hmm. uh, for no
1: it, the movies like it's a technical marvel that's for sure like, yeah I, that's not like can't understate that but yeah no the technical side of the film is fantastic other than the fucking green the movie could use about 45 percent less green
0: well, apparently um, they did the green because it was supposed to be like looking at it through a computer screen.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I'd I get that. Like, I, I totally get that. But there's a lot of. Green. I, I blame this movie for then influencing gr- green in like a bunch of movies where it's unnecessary. Like, in this movie, it makes sense. Like, yes, no, the whole movie, like at the very beginning, they establish like the whole green as like computer data and that motif. So that's established. That makes sense. But then it also influenced, like, a whole decade of movies that were just green-tinted for seemingly yeah. no reason. That's very true. But then, true. like, this, but the thing about, the, like, this movie is that, like, you know, we can talk about, like, pastiche, homage, you know, postmodernism and stuff, but, like, like it's not, it does not, like, shy away from, like, what, it, like the, like, why is, like, Morpheus making references to Alice in Wonderland? Like what? Like it's <laughs> like follow the white rabbit, and it's like okay, so this is just Alice in Wonderland and cyberpunk. But then it's like, oh no, it's just Plato cave and cyberpunk. And then this is like, how many movies is does there have to be an all-knowing person named the Oracle? Like, I feel like there's like fifty million movies where there's a person named the Oracle. So you have to blame Shakespeare for that. So like, I've just like gone through it. like like there's so many different like religious philosophical like stylistic things from just like just straight up lifted from stuff that's like whether it's like film or like written material like comic books like even Morpheus his name is stolen from a fucking Neil Gaiman character in the Sandman and he was actually Morpheus and
0: he was actually told to act like he gave that Morpheus he was given that Morpheus as like a character model to model the character on yeah, um, and
1: then like the fucking the uh the like the wire foo stuff of them flying through the air like that's fucking sick like that's so sick like I'm so glad that that like they if they really popularized that but like Wu Shao films are right Wu Sha? is that how it's said Yeah, like the fucking like they they've been doing that since like the seventies with Ameri- all the Shaw brother movies.
0: Yeah, the Americans would call it Wu but it, it it's like Wu Sha or Shosha. Yeah. That's how
1: you it. W U X I A. However yeah. you pronounce that. Wuxia,
0: Josh, yeah. something like that. I I don't speak Chinese.
1: Sorry. Don't
0: don't 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 come at me for that. Um, yeah,
1: but I, like you know they like that even style. Like people are like, oh, the Matrix is the first to do that. then it's like no, they 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 stopped. Well, like, they lifted that and stuff. But like the thing that my gripe with like the Wachowskis, it's like. People like Tarantino, Scorsese, like when they deliberately jack stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I totally jacked it from, you know, whatever. Like when Tarantino did Kill Bill, that was basically him being like, hey, everybody, go watch Lady Snowblood. I love Lady Snowblood, so go watch that. Like, go watch those movies. That was essentially him just like advertising for other movies because he's a film nerd and did that. But then like, I feel like the Wachowskis like, you know, you know, they did like a great job in making an interesting movie. But then they're like, yeah, we made this great thing that, you know, it's everlasting and blah, 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 blah. And like acted like they were geniuses. It's like, no, everything about this movie that is great is taken from something else.
0: Well, that goes back to you talking about like them being idea people of taking various different. And as you said, it's from film, it's from literature, it's from comics, mm-hmm. it's from mythology. Like Mm -hmm. from religious stuff, the Nebuchadnezzar. They're
1: clearly fucking intelligent people and like read and watch and are very smart people. Because, like, you know, there's they touch, like, that's the thing is that like they touch on a lot of a lot of great ideas, but it's like it's just like grazes of like things. And it's like it's all very just kind of like surface level. It's like nothing's really too deep. And that's why I say this movie's like a smart movie for dumb people, because like the movie's like, I said this to you in text, it's like like a fortune cookie. It's like anybody can watch this movie and make an interpretation of it because it's so vague and it touches on so many things. It's like a fucking horoscope. It's like you could watch it any day and be like, oh, Like, I watched it, and was like, oh, you could easily make this about, like, an anti-pharmaceutical company thing if you go about the pills and, you know, make that an allegory for, like, you know, lobotomies and, like, fucking electroshock therapy and, like, OxyContin stuff like that. Like, if you just say, oh, yeah, you want to live a dumbed-down life, blah, 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 but, like, you know, Requiem for a Dream did that in a very dark, dramatic way, so, like i don't know there's way there's so like the movie's very just i don't know it's 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 to me it's
0: what we had said in the text thread that it is i think it is an incredible example of postmodern filmmaking i think it is the marriage of high and low art and the delineation of the difference between the two it's pastiche it's Taking, taking from the French New Wave and from other postmodern films where you're just wearing your influences on your sleeve and there's nothing new in the world and they just rearranged the, all these ideas that they really liked into one thing and then they put it out. And I think at the time, that was revolutionary. Now, not so much. Cool. So it's hard to, like, especially as, you know you you have to think about the context of when the film came out and all the stuff. And I agree with some of the stuff that you, some of the gripes that you have. I think that there's watching it, having seen it ho- however many times, I think that there are redeemable qualities of, of the film. I, I think and i think that there are i think that it's if you take it as i said as is strip all away all the stuff that comes afterwards it's fine it's a fun afternoon it's like a popcorn film um yeah. but for but for a film that is aspiring for such high levels of of intellect to be like oh it's only good as a popcorn film there's a disconnect there there's a as you said there's things have been dumbed down or or very vaguely touched upon and it's yeah. so vague that you have people writing think pieces about this movie still being like oh what is this you know what is that oh what if this was the ki- oh we don't know and it's like nah it's it's a pretty simple hero's journey you know mm-hmm. he he It's yeah. <laughs> you know it's not it's not like uh
1: like, that's the thing now, like, people saying, like, oh, like, yeah, this is, like, an allegory for, like, trans and, you know, people and, like, you know, transitioning. And it's, like, well, the movie's about, you know, false reality. So, obviously, by proxy, if you're in a false reality, obviously, you're going to feel, un- like, not if nothing's real, obviously, like, yes, by proxy, then, yes, it is a trans allegory because it c- it can be… You could say anything like that if it's a fake reality. Like, well, that's the thing. Before, that is so open ended. I like, did it's, find it's something.
0: Pain. I did find something out. Um, doing research for this because I was just reading about the film and getting and wanting to kind of get my ducks in a row. Um, and the one thing that I found out that we did talk about was that the Wachowskis did speak to the creative team, director of Ghost in the Shell, and said we want to kind of recreate a couple of these scenes and use this as a, as an influence. And they also took Ghost in the Shell to the studio and showed it to them and said, we want to make this in real life. And yeah, so, but like, there's also
1: a lot of movies, too, that have been like, hey, you copy us. And they're like, never seen it, never saw yeah, it. Like, yeah, never,
0: that, like, that's that's where... Which, that's agree. just the sketchy part. That's which the sketchy is like, part. But no, no, no. The other thing that I was going to say is that, because they later, after... For those who don't know, the Wachowski sisters used to be the Wachowski brothers. Um, and they both transitioned. Uh, um, they are now Lily and Lana Wachowski. And, uh, and they... Um, at, uh, in after their transition or during their transition, I'm not sure when, but there was, they did talk about how the matrix has is in some ways a trans allegory. And then people ran with it and were writing think pieces about it and all stuff. But what I did find out was that um, the character in the matrix switch was actually supposed to switch between genders and how in the matrix they would be, It was either in the Matrix they were a man and out of the Matrix they were a woman, or it was the other way around. I feel like it was when they were in the Matrix they were. I got to look it up. Hold on, uh, because I'm sure I have it. They also
1: toyed with the idea of of Neo being a woman. So, like, you know, like, yes, okay, like, yeah. If they're there's like, yeah, it makes sense. But that's again. I think that just leads again to, like, the very vagueness of how this movie just sort of, like, slightly, you know, tenderly graces ideas, but never, never goes fully in. Like, the only thing it goes fully in is, like, the Plato Cave simulation theory idea, and that they really plays with that. Like, I don't know, like, the whole, like, Agent Smith, like, that's just men in black, essentially. That's all that is, because the men in black is a real conspiracy theory that people have that, that, that exists. Like there's so many. And like that, I don't even, I think they go deeper into that in the fucking sequels, but I like, can't really remember. Yeah. I don't, movies. we're not going
0: to talk about the sequels, but anyway, yes, Switch was originally supposed to be played by two androgynous characters who looked very similar uh, in the real world. Switch uh, would be a, a male actor. And then in the matrix, a female um, because the matrix, when you enter the matrix, there's that scene where Morpheus talks about how the when you enter the matrix, your digital the, your digital self is what your brain views yourself as. And so there was gonna be this whole aspect of, of transgender to it, which the the studio shut down. And also we have to say, like in the like <sighs> I I just want to note as we're talking and going back and forth about the complaints about this of about this film that making a film it isn't like the what you immediately and you know this it isn't immediately what you think becomes what happens on screen especially with like a studio film. So I think that there are aspects of this film when the directors talk about it that they might be thinking about the kind of like purest version of the film in their head. They're what they believe it to be. And what comes out on screen is maybe not the same or the way it translates doesn't work out or whatever, but you're right. I mean, this film is a patchwork of various different influences and things lifted from other things and then repurposed and put out. And because there are so many different ideas in it, some of it does feel a bit hollow which is why I say it works really great as a popcorn movie. You know, you sit down, you watch it, you enjoy it, you don't too think too hard about it. I mean, it's crazy to me to think now yeah. that you that when they this movie came out, they were worried people or when they were trying to pitch this movie and they were making it and it came out, there were people who didn't understand it. they, they this was too too much to think about for them. But oh. you have to think in the context of like now we have social media and and our digital there are people who have been digitally native their whole life who don't know a life without the internet don't know a lot. Li- you know people have wisened up to a lot of the kind of tech technophobia stuff that was in it and the stuff about ai and all that like all of that stuff uh which isn't new either robots rising up and taking over the world is literally yeah, the terminator, terminator. <laughs> like it's you know it's not new yeah. Um, but then, again, this kind of is the postmodern masterpiece because nothing new under the sun, postmodernism. Yeah, and isn't.
1: then the another thing, like, I kind of, this is another one, I kind of realized that they had the ending part when they're in the ship while, you know, they're all in the Matrix and then, the, like, the, uh, you know, alien thingy monster robot thing. Like, that's kind of alien-like at yeah. the end there. Like, there's so many different things that it's just, like, I don't know, it's just it's just too. It's just like too much. Like, I feel like the movie's just it's just too over the top with everything. Like even like with the first scene, like, ok, the first scene of The Matrix is really sick with Trinity escaping out of the hotel until you realize that is literally the exact first scene from Ghost in the Shell, yeah. like they exactly. Except you know it's slight it's slightly changed you know when she jumps off she doesn't turn invisible you know it, Agent Smith kind of follows her but then you know she still like escapes but like the whole the whole essence of the scene is the exact same and I actually really like that scene in the Matrix like I love the part where she fucking jumps down the stairs and lands and like she's aiming the gun she's waiting for fucking Smith to come through so she can fucking blast him like that's sick but then. After that movie, it's then sixty minutes of boring philosophy.
0: Yeah, it takes a while. It's until they get to the. Um, it's they get until to they get to not until they
1: then re-enter the Matrix after Neo's training. Is that no, Neo's the training is sick. sick?
0: I love, I love the Neo's training part. I think that that part's sick. I think that whole i know kung fu show me and then them doing it i what i really don't like is I mean, the, the, the
1: sick part about the neo training part is when how they stage that scene because they stage it like a video game dojo i just realized that today they staged it like as if a street fighter like you got morpheus on the left side neo on yeah. the right side and it's just you know and I, also I, also
0: they scary. that scene is yellow because it's neither the matrix nor the real world it's Oh, the, their, it's own, the, their yeah. own construct yeah like there's a lot of really cool technical stuff and and there is an art to adaptation into taking things but i think that there's when as you said when you take too much it can become clunky and clumsy yeah
1: like if yeah exactly yeah i feel like it just needed to like cut out like 10 references or like things like to me this movie plays more like it's trying to be like fucking ready player one like almost like it's like It's just too much with the, like, the, like, and that's the thing. I don't know what's, what they're stealing, what they're paying homage to. Like, I don't know. Like, that's the thing is because, like, I don't think they were open with, like, what they, like, yes, they were very honest about Ghost in the Shell. Yes. But, like, if that, if you're just going to be like, yeah, this is very influenced by Ghost in the Shell. They should have just made a live action Ghost in the Shell. I think they would have been able to make a fantastic adaptation and you know probably better than the one we got (laughs) yeah exactly probably probably much better um but like you know well you know what again
0: it's the as you said it's the whole being great idea people and maybe they did take Mm -hmm. a little bit too much and in some aspects of the film suffered for it but i still i still enjoy the matrix the first one uh i was gonna say that in the sequel the second movie i'm pretty sure opens with an almost shot for shot uh, similarity where trinity jumps out the building and she's falling down which is again ghost in the shell the opening scene um yeah. but you know like i think that there's a lot of good in this film obviously technically it won the oscars um uh let's see which ones did it yeah. win
1: um, um i think probably like sound editing and stuff like that's that was also the thing that kind of irked me about this movie is that watching it is that i didn't think the special effects held up like specifically when they're in the like real world like the robot world like i don't know it just didn't seem like it did i don't know it just didn't seem like there was no it just didn't seem like it was like this there's no i guess i don't know it, it the Earth just didn't seem that believable. Like I was like, I've seen better depictions of a sort of dystopian cyberpunk uh, future. Like that's why I think like Blade Runner is such like a great postmodern movie because it blends culture and it legitimately blends it into a part like where it's just like these things make sense. Whereas in this movie, like it just it's just very it feels very fragmented. It doesn't feel. Polished in its like in its pastiche, like. But I think does that makes
0: uh, sense. Yeah, but I think that also comes with art with us living when we do now and our experience and our like. I think for a lot of people, this was something that they have ne- had never seen before. And, and to be mm-hmm. fair, a lot of people who we really respect like the shit out of this movie. And on part of, on speaking of the special effects, the special effects in this one are are have held up better now still there's some parts where it's like oof but they've held up better yeah, yeah.
1: my my only gripe is like with like the outside like the dystopian world yeah. part like obviously the bullet time shit is still sick all the fight sequence effects still sick i just think a lot of the sci-fi effects like i don't know like i think personally like like alien, like, and even like alien three, like the fucking, you know, like mechanic world of alien looked better than this. Yeah. Well, if you know what I mean, but that's like HR Gregor shit. So like, uh, you know, he's the the king. So like
0: the, um, it won best film editing, best sound, best sound effects, editing and best visual effects. Mm -hmm. Um, it also holds the record for the sweep of, of all of them without being nominated for best picture um and uh and I don't think it was uh uh I don't think it it was given it actually beat <laughs> beat out the phantom menace which was literally like hailed as the you know digital future but that's another thing to talk about um uh yeah, yeah it's i mean none of the <laughs> i guess okay so if you haven't seen the matrix i guess we should say what the matrix is about um matrix is about a guy his name is Neo. He lives in the world. He gets him, And he's a hacker. He gets a message that says, follow the white rabbit if you want to know about the matrix and know what it is. He follows this girl with a white rabbit tattoo, goes to this club um, and uh, and meets Trinity, the woman who we, we are introduced to in the first scene. Uh, and uh, then there's this kind of like thing he's being chased around his work by agents and, uh, and he tries to escape, but he can't. He goes downstairs. The agents catch him. They put like a robot in his belly, um, and then uh, and then anyway, he gets picked up by Morpheus and and Neo or and Trinity. Uh, they take the bug out of him and they offer him a choice: he can take a, a, a red pill and learn about the Matrix, or take the blue pill and go, but p- just wake up and his life is the same. Neo takes a red pill. He wakes his, his this mirror like crawls all over him. It's crazy. Anyway, he wakes up in the real world and finds out that in the far future, the world has been destroyed by a war against sentient machines who now use humans as uh, batteries uh, to power their, uh, their empire, their robotic empire. So the Matrix is a computer program in which your brains, uh, it's like VR, your brain's are in the matrix controlling your body in the matrix in the reality you think is real but in yeah. reality the real reality the world you're outs- in an egg yeah the world outside of plato's cave is uh is totally different and once you're out you can't really go back in anyway morpheus winds up telling him you know we we're looking for the one the guy who's supposed to destroy the matrix help us win our war against the machines and Morpheus thinks he is the one uh, there's Neo goes through some training. Uh, he starts improving. He goes to, uh, you know, there's like a subplot where one of the guys on the ship wants to go back in the matrix. Cause he thinks the real world's just ass. Uh, so he's a double agent. He's, he's trying to set them up to be caught. Um, you know, it goes on. He Neo goes into the uh, matrix, meets the oracle, tells him he is in the matrix, but he's gonna, or he isn't the matrix, he isn't the one, but there will be a time where he has to make a choice. Uh, and then the final act of the film is, uh, or the final two, that's kind of like the second, last act, fifth, fourth act of the film. Fifth act oh. of the film is just uh, 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 Morpheus gets captured, they get double crossed, Morpheus gets captured, and Neo and Trinity go back into the matrix to save him where, of course, Neo realizes he is the one and begins to believe that he is the the one and his belief in himself is what creates, allows him to rise from the dead after Trinity talks to him when he's legally dead, lying on a on a thing. And then he gets back up and then he can stop bullets, fly. He can see the code in the Matrix and do whatever he wants. And even before that, he's like fighting the the agents who are all super strong and super fast. And he's... He's like putting up a good fight. The agent's starting to get a little bit freaked out uh, anyway. And so that's pretty much it. It's it's Plato's cave with the hero's journey. Uh, mm-hmm. And the big think piece of it is what if we're all in a simulation and the world isn't what it seems and what does that mean? Does it mean anything? Um, and then it's his journey to becoming uh becoming a superhero pretty much. He just becomes a, uh, a superhero the following films turn him into kind of god which uh and and i mean there's the obvious jesus christ allegory in the film he dies and then wakes up um uh, he, he literally dies and then comes back to life and he has he's re-resurrected
1: like, that's fucking insane like that's there's too much going on here like it's just it's just too much man that's like I don't know. I don't even remember how the uh, second and third movie go, and then in the f- like, and then in the fourth movie they like totally change. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but like they just totally change shit. Like I don't know. Man. Well, I've
0: seen it. Um, they don't really change so much. It's more of a, uh, I, it's kind of like a reboot. It's not kind of like a sequel. It's 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 really weird. Um. And then they, and then through that, that's where they they introduce the idea of it wasn't Neo that was the one; it was Neo and Trinity's love, which is something they kind of touch on through the films. And anyway, on on this film, if you haven't seen The Matrix, just watch it. Um, I'm sure you recognize characters: Trinity, Neo, Morpheus, um, uh, Agent Smith uh you know the oracle these are all things that have become kind of like pop cultural iconography um but really the story is about a guy who realizes that the world he's living in is a simulation or he's shown that the world that he lives in is a simulation and must choose whether or not to take his destiny uh it's just it's pretty much a, a fairly standard hero's journey with sprinklings of various like you said simulation theory uh plato's allegory of the cave and then a a wide smattering of existentialism and other kind of niche philosophy stuff and, and technophobia and a bunch of other things. And then on top of that, it just, it just takes a bunch of stuff from other films and genres and comics and books and all this stuff. And it smashes it all together and you get the matrix. Um, I, again, I don't dislike it as much as Otis does, but there are you know. um there are shortcomings there are are things mm-hmm. that i i think that as time goes on there are cracks that are beginning to form in the in the foundation of the matrix i think also the more sequels they make and the more they try and milk it the less value the thing that they were trying to create in the first one has um yeah
1: that's and, the thing is that the movie this movie was already like being held together like by like dwindling threads of like the philosophy like they're all you know as i said they're just slightly touching all these things barely but like th- there's enough that it you held together to make a fucking culturally significant fucking smash hit it's undeniable but then you know with the sequels you kind of realized how fucking weak the whole structure was. You're like, and how silly. Oh.
0: silly Some of it like by, by extending the story and by adding all of these extra other things to it, it just kind of became, mm-hmm. it was like you said, there's so much going on. Sorry to interrupt you, but there's so much going on in this movie mm-hmm. where it's like adding to it. It causes it to kind of implode on itself.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
0: But the first one, to me, I still like it. I think it's a good popcorn movie to sit down and watch. And there's some really cool, like the fight scene in the in the subway station, the whole yeah. helicopter part, the obviously the the shootout in the um, lobby is really sick. The training stuff is all the second half action pieces, and that first uh, that first scene, like the action in this movie, is pretty dope, pretty goddamn dope. Yeah. Um,
1: Definitely for sure. And that's why like that's why I love John Wick. Like we can't like John Wick is the fucking action stunt coordinators from the Matrix.
0: And we so, love John you know,
1: Wick, obviously. And you know, if you yeah, exactly. You love John Wick. So obviously without the Matrix, there's no John Wick. So like that's the first thing. It's like, you know, without the Matrix, there's There's not a lot of things. Without The Matrix, there's no huge, you know, I think The Matrix helped, you know, a lot of people find, you know, their goth roots. You know, I think this movie in Blade... (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson really helped with that. I think those are the main factors of, you know, goth kids in the 90s. Is- I can't,
0: and I also can't believe they they needle-dropped Dragula. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, the, they that
1: got scene. the fucking dance Rob remix Dracula. <laughs> Dragula. Like, hell yeah, dude. Like, that's sick. Like, I don't know. I love industrial cyberpunk goths. I love that. I love that aspect of the movie, like, for sure. I definitely would enjoy that like and that's the thing is that the movie presents the idea of like oh you know the simu- the simulation's terrible and it's like it's not that bad like neo's having it seems like a worse time outside like you know he's yeah. nearly dying <laughs> yeah. every day since he's left his simulation you know there's no you can't even breathe in this fucking world like there's Flying spider robot things just coming for you. That will just the Earth is literally you.
0: destroyed. They live underground. Yeah, <laughs> like the Earth. Life the, is not easy. <laughs> the,
1: yeah, so it's like is living in a simulation theory, li- working a shitty office job, but going to the club and like seeing hot chicks in black leather while Dragula plays. That's not that bad, but dude. <laughs> I could live with that. I'm cool with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man.
0: Uh yeah, but uh, again, uh let's put aside our personal bias and discuss. Yeah. Uh oh and also you this is the uh, the where the bullet time uh, f- infamous famous bullet time slow-mo yeah. much replicated, much duplicated. Uh but this is where that came from.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, also this I mean without without that that scene and shit you don't get the iconic scenes in the x-men movies with quicksilver like those scenes are so fucking sick um like you don't like that's you know yeah though the wachowskis and i forget oh what i just had the guy the actual technical guy's name that did it uh john Gaeta. he invented the uh bullet time effect i don't know g-a-e-t-a Anyway, yeah, he fucking, so he invented that shit. And so shout out to that guy. I think he also invented like the de-aging technology in like Benjamin Button. So that dude's like a technological genius. So shout outs to him. But yeah, like I, there's so many great things about this movie. You cannot deny the cultural impact, the technical impact, you know, the entire, like this movie changed the landscape of, you know, filmmaking, sci-fi filmmaking. You know, this movie was just as important, you know, technologically as, you know, something like Avatar, anything James Cameron does. James Cameron fucking loved The Matrix. He was fucking hella hard for this movie. He also loved Ghost in the Shell. And, you know, this movie... But, yeah. I don't know, man. There's so many great things about this movie, but then it's just... Gets really bogged down by what I think is too much writing, to the point where it's kind of bad and too much pastiche. Like, well, again, like I was this, feeling, is, this is why ahead. I
0: say this is why I say when you watch it, you got to turn off all the stuff that comes out at, comes afterwards. Like, I think The Matrix on its own is a is a, a good a really good film, and I think that though it has issues if it had just been the matrix and they had never made it into a franchise and never done all the extra stuff they did with it. I think it would, it would because there is so much going on and it's so bold and bombastic. But it's hard when it's
1: been for 20 years since it's just been put on a pedestal as this fucking groundbreaking thing. Like technologically. Yes. But like philosophically and like, people have like based their entire fucking personalities around this. Like, Oh, you're fucking, you're fucking blue pill, bro. Like, fuck you. You fucking pussy. Like, yeah. Are you serious? There's, there's, like like so you're so much fucking stupid. There's so much bad said stuff
0: that. that came after this. And, 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 but I mean, it is a testament to how culturally important it is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing is that like, it's hard now because, and this is something that happens with like a lot of movies where, where because you're so saturated especially on social media with hearing people's opinions about stuff and you hear all these horrible takes and you see people doing all these horrible things it's it gets hard harder and harder to just like shut that down and be like mm-hmm. okay I'm just going to like this for what it is because especially for people like us yeah. who are involved in the discourse and film and and care about about the discussions that are being had, it becomes tedious and it becomes irritating to the point of ad nauseum. It's like when you talk about fandoms for, oh, great. My cat just threw up. Um, when you're talking Aww. about, when you're talking about, uh, um, it's okay. She threw up on the tile. I'll
1: clean it up afterwards. Um, but like, yeah. Like star Wars, Marvel. Marvel. Yeah.
0: Like- it becomes, it becomes and even not even just that it's like TV shows and shit. Now it just, mm-hmm. It becomes too much. And this m- movie had such a, was such a revelation at the time. And a lot of the things that it it kind of was thinking about have been thought about and talked out and explored and other stuff and blah, blah, blah. It's not so revelatory now, but at the time mm-hmm. in the context of 1999 and when it came out this, I can understand why people felt that way and enjoyed yeah. it because it is at its core, a fun, good movie. Um, Mm -hmm. but as they dragged out the franchise and they did everything else, the weight of that created these, these cracks in the foundation, as I said. And then on top of that, you have all of this kind of nonsensical discourse and people just do it like people, it became this kind of thing that, like you said, you make your personality around. Um, but we should say the critical response, I'm going to go through the way I'm just going to read this so that we can say. It's we're not just BSing when we said it was a really good, uh, really well received.
1: I you know people uh, fucking loved it.
0: Yeah, um, it was praised as, by by many critics as well as filmmakers and authors of science fiction specifically for its spectacular action and its groundbreaking special effects. Um, some have described The Matrix as one of the best science fiction films of all time. Entertainment Weekly called The Matrix the most influential action movie of the generation, which it kind of is um, when you look at it technically and all that stuff. Um, yeah,
1: and then, like, I would say now in the last 10 years, John Wick has been the most influential action movie. But as we said, John Wick doesn't exist without The Matrix. So Boom.
0: Mic drop. Yeah. Boom. Um So, yeah. You, it's yeah it's it's it, the film holds <laughs> rotten tomato gives it an 88 uh average score of 7.8 critical consensus reads thanks to wachowski's imaginative vision the matrix is a smartly crafted combination of spectacular action and groundbreaking special effects metacritic gives it uh a rating um a 73 uh cinema score a minus um their uh uh, there's some, some good lines that kind of like go in on what we're talking about. Philip Strick Mm -hmm. commented in sight and sounds. If the Wachowskis claim no originality of the message, they are startling innovators of method. That's exactly what I'm trying to say that, that. Yes. They, that the way that they took all these ideas, put it into something and put it out into the world. Even if now looking back on it, you're like, yeah, it was kind of clumpy, clunky and clumsy at the time. It was like a startling, innovative way to to do. They 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 took all these different things mm. and just jammed it into this movie. I mean,
1: they make shit that looks cool. That's yeah. for sure.
0: And he he following praises the film's broadside of astonishing images. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's you know, a lot of people were saying that it was. Uh, entertainingly ingenious as switches between realities hugo weaving's engagingly odd performance cinematography and production design but uh um the promising premise is steadily wasted as the film turns into a fairly routine action pick yet another slice of overlong high concept hokum that's one person said that um uh and here's one that will go with you jonathan rosenbaum of chicago riegers said simple-minded fun for roughly the first hour until the movie becomes overwhelmed by its many sources there's not much humor to keep it all life-size and by its final stretch it's become bloated mechanical and
1: tiresome hey see i'm glad i didn't read this but i'm glad like i'm not like no it's not it's not shit out of my ass like i'm glad like Okay, so other people have recognized this too, that the movie is just overwhelmed with too much different influence.
0: Yeah, here's another one. Salon's reviewer Andrew O'Hare acknowledged that although The Matrix, in his view, is a fundamentally immature and under original film, saying it lacks anything like adult emotion. All this pseudo spiritual hokum, along with the over ramped onslaught of special effects, some of them quite amazing, will hold 14 year old boys in rapture, not to mention all of us. uh, not to mention those of us of all ages and genders who still harbor a 14-year-old boy somewhere inside of us. He concluded, as in Bound, there's an appealing scope of daring to the Wachowski's work and their eagerness for more plot twists and more crazy images becomes increasingly infectious in a limited and profoundly geeky sense this might be an important and generous film the Wachowski's have little feeling for character or human interaction but their passion for movies for making them watching them inhabiting them world is pure and deep see i agree with that
1: yeah i Definitely that, agree with that. Yes,
0: that's like exactly what we're trying to say here. That this movie yeah. is like that
1: breaks down the entire fifty minutes of yeah. The so podcast. we could have just got rid of. We just could have
0: got rid of that and just said that at the start. Um, we could have yeah,
1: exactly. That would have just totally ended this because that's also the thing is that like yeah. My other gripe about this movie is that it's a little oh. too long. I feel like it's like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes too long because it's an two hours, fifteen minutes. Ghost in the Shell is 80 minutes, and yeah, it, like, it flies. covers so just, sick. just as much. It okay, covers-
0: we, we should flip over and talk about Ghost in the Shell, but I do yeah. want to talk about one or two more things. James Cameron's called this film one of the most profoundly fresh science fiction films ever made uh christian christopher nolan described as an incredibly palpable mainstream phenomenon that made people think hey what if this isn't real quentin tarantino said the matrix is one of his 25 20 favorite movies from 1992 to 2009 um uh you know you and there's some other joss whedon liked it m9 channel but here's one that you will that goes also to the negative side of things because we've been, I, we've talked about the things that are great about it. Obviously, won the Oscars for the technical stuff. It's influenced whole generations of film. We wouldn't have certain things now if the Matrix doesn't exist. And I still posit, even if it is for the fourteen year old boy that lives somewhere inside me, that I do enjoy the 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 film yeah. and what it evokes and the nostalgia of it. And I think that. Even though there are flaws, it's still a pretty good movie. I mean, again, not talking about anything that comes after just The Matrix. Um, and you can't deny its technical and, and, and cinematic importance. But Darren Aronofsky, uh, director, writer, uh, commented, I walked out of The Matrix and I was thinking, what kind of science fiction movie can people make now? The Wachowskis basically took all the great sci-fi ideas of the 20th century and rolled them into a delicious pop culture sandwich that everyone on the planet devoured. And that's kind of what we're saying that there's a little bit too much just all scrammed in there. And whether you agree or disagree or like whether you like it or don't like it, you can't undersell how, um, how, you know, how innovation innovative that is, how innovative they were, whether you like it or don't that the taking all that stuff and creating this kind of postmodern wild film dumb action movie that's also smart like whatever you want to call the matrix however you read the matrix that like the wachowskis definitely were we're really trying something we're swinging for something now mm-hmm. let's switch over to ghost in the show and let's talk about how this film influenced the matrix and uh and let's just show how they may have lifted a couple things from uh, from Ghost in the Shell. Let's 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 just. I'll I'll read the plot quickly. I we don't. I don't want to go super deep into Ghost in the Shell, but Ghost in the Shell is a a film in which in twenty twenty nine the um, world in which they inhabit is a world of very much cybernetic technology and augmentations. It is the uh, cyberpunk world of, of kind of like William Gibson, uh, of neuromancer and stuff like that. Um, but it's also kind of Blade Runner-y. Uh, it's, it's this idea that technology and humanity have, uh, transhumanism that we've, that we've reached a point where the people are augmented or, or people's brains are put into androids or, you know, it's, we're in yeah. that world. Um, And uh, uh, the other achievement is a cyber brain, a mechanical casing for the human brain that allows it to access the internet and other networks. Um, uh, And the name is based around the term ghost within the film. Uh, The ghost is the consciousness inhabiting the body, the shell. Uh, and, uh, this film follows major Matoko Kusanagi, uh, leader of the assault team, uh, at public security station nine of Newport city in this world of Japan, 2029 in the future. Um, the film starts with her, uh, successfully assassinating a diplomat to prevent a uh, programmer named Daita from defecting, um, and uh the foreign's minister is ghost hacked, presumably to assassinate VIPs in an upcoming meeting. Believing the perpetrator is a mysterious puppet master, Kusanagi team follows a trace telephone calls uh that sent the virus. Um, this whole opening scene is like super iconic. She has the invisibility bodysuit, the the um uh there's a big fight out in there. She jumps off the building afterwards. Um, the, uh, the, the foreign minister's interpreter gets hacked and kills a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It's really wild. It's one of the sickest in, in opening sequences. It's so good. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, after that, they chase and capture a garbage man and a thug only to find out that they are ghost hacked and they uh, uh, but they have no clue about the puppet master. Um, During this scene, again, this movie moves at a really, really high pace and it's just like action, action, action. This is the scene where they're running through the field and you have the uh, is this where the fight in the water is? Or is that later, no, 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 that's afterwards, oh. um, the this is when they're driving the end,
1: isn't it? yeah
0: they're, this is when they're driving in the in the car, sorry, I got it. I watched it a couple days ago, so um anyway, so the the they are looking for um. Trying to find out who the puppet master is. Uh, during this time, uh, Megatech body, a shell manufacturer with suspected close ties to the government, is hacked and assembles a cybernetic body. The body escapes but is hit by a truck. A section nine examines the body, they find a human ghost inside its computer brain. Unexpectedly, section nine's chief arrives to reclaim the body. He claims the ghost inside the brain is the puppet master himself, lured into the body by section six. Um the body reactivates itself, claims being sentient, and requests political asylum. Uh, um, I, this- Yeah, that's there's
1: Johnny Silverhand shit, yeah, too. Yeah. See, there's another fucking connection. So, yeah, cyberpunk. Well, you know, that's cyberpunk, you know, J- Johnny Silverhand, then fucking Keanu Reeves' whole involvement in that game is pretty much a reference to, like, The Matrix. Like, yeah. It's very similar, like the whole plot of cyberpunk, you know, and the whole, you know, it's it's also very much Ghost in the Shell, you know? It's another person being implanted into another person, essentially.
0: Uh-huh. Um, after the Puffer pup. Puppet Master initiates a brief argument about what constitutes a human, a camouflaged agent accompanying Nakamura, starts a diversion and gets away with the body. Having suspected foul play, uh, Kusanagi's team is prepared and immediately pursues the agent. This is the scene where they're running through the market and the pumpkin or the watermelons are shot at, uh, which is literally directly lifted into the matrix when Keanu Reeves is running away from the agents and they shoot at him. And then the cart of watermelons explodes. It's like literally shot for shot. Um, yep. Meanwhile, Section 9 researches Project 2501 mentioned earlier by the Puppet Master and finds a connection with Daita, whom Section 6 tries to keep from defecting to the country. Facing the discovered information, uh, Daisuke Aramaki, chief of Section 9, concludes that Section 6 created the Puppet Master itself for various political purposes and now seek to reclaim the body that it currently inhabits. This is all just stuff about like mega corporations and tech companies and industrial espionage that's all throughout all cyberpunk stuff um uh anyway kids um there's a a fight uh in the there, there's like a watery i don't know if it's supposed to be on a dam or something but there's a fight scene uh between uh the guy and uh and an invisible uh um motoko which is really cool often often uh recreated um Uh, Kusanagi follows the car carrying the body to an abandoned building where she discovers it being protected by a giant robot spider tank, uh, which is really sick. Um, And uh, she's she she wants to fight the uh, she's she's ready to go. She wants to fight the puppet master, figure it out. So she engages the tank with a uh, backup, but she gets wrecked. Um, in that scene, there is also another, uh, idea that was lifted directly from ghost in the shell where the spider tank has a little arm that comes out and grabs her head, uh, mm-hmm. and then squeezes it and then drops her, uh, which is literally again, recreated in the matrix when Keanu Reeves, when Nia wakes up. Um, and this whole thing results with her body being dismember- dismembered, uh, Batu arrives in time to uh, save her and connects her brain to the puppet masters. And then you have this whole thing where the puppet master explains to uh, uh, Matoko that he was created by section six uh, and he became sentient while wandering various networks uh, and uh, decided that the essence of life is reproduction and mortality. He wanted to exist within a physical brain that will eventually die uh, as he could not escape section six network. He had to download himself into a cybernetic body, um, and having interacted with her without her knowledge, he believes she is also questioning her humanity, and they have a lot in common. He proposes that they merge their ghosts in return. Kusanagi would gain all his com- capabilities. They agree to merge, and uh, the movie ends with uh, her waking up in Batu's house uh, with a uh, uh, in a new you body. Shall. With a new, with a previous, with her old head attached to the body of a young girl, she tells Batu that the entity within her body is neither Kusanagi nor nor the Puppet Master, but a combination of both. Promises they will meet again, and then just leaves the house, wondering what to do, uh, what to do next. Um, there's also a scene some uh, earlier in the film where they uh Batu and uh Matoko have a very deep conversation about what it means to be human and what it, and in a world of uh cybernetic aug- aug- augmentation and um the ability to browse networks from inside your body and stuff like that it's all uh um it's it's a quite it's it handles some of the stuff that are is present in the matrix but it handles it with a lot more finesse Um, issues about humanity and existence, uh, issues about, you know, worries about, about technology and, and the future of transhumanism. Um, and it also just, it's shorter. It moves along really well. It doesn't have a lot of extra stuff added into it. It's just trying to tell the story of Ghost in the Shell. Um, and the action sequences are, are beautiful. They're stunning. Um, but yeah, I lot. mean,
1: there's so many th- like the invisible stuff, like in the water, like oh, there's so many different things. Like, there's so many games I can think of that have like lifted that and made that like a boss fight in a video game.
0: And and the and the giant giant spider tank. Like that's, Yeah, that's, that's also so
1: in so many <coughs> video games. That's definitely like so many bosses, like. There's a game I'm playing, The Surge, where, yeah, there's definitely, like, a boss that's, like, that. Like, yeah, no, this movie definitely influenced just so many of, like, depictions of, like, I think a lot of, like, anime has really influenced a lot of sci-fi. Like, especially, like, Ghost in the Shell and, like, Evangelion. Like, those two series have influenced Western stuff so, so much. And Cowboy like Bebop and-
0: too, I would say yeah, Cowboy Bebop yeah. too. Um, the but so let's just I don't want to go super super long into this movie. Both Otis and I agree this movie's a banger. If you like anime and you like cyberpunk, you like that kind of stuff. Just Dude, watch and this it's movie. Eighty minutes. Yes. It's an
1: eighty minute movie. Like it's flawless. Like in like in in eighty minutes, I feel like you get just as much out of this movie as you do the Matrix, and like you could watch this movie and watch it again in the same amount of time that yeah. what it takes to watch the matrix
0: and let's get some uh. let's get some re- uh, reception before we talk about just just to back up because this movie bangs like i know that yeah. summary was pretty short we talked a lot about the matrix so i'm trying to keep this a bit short um rotten tomatoes 96% of the uh, critics have given a film a positive review with an average rating of 7.8 Consensus reads, a stunning feat of modern animation, Ghost in the Shell offers a thoughtful, complex treat for anime fans, as well as a perfect introduction for viewers new to the medium. Um, uh, This is... Not only is this film essential... In the canon of Japanese anim- animation, together with Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey and Tarkovsky's Solaris, it completes a trio of book adaptation that transcend the popularity of their original novels and give meaning to an already popular brand. Um, the some people said that this film was predictable, but praised, but was high praised of its production values. Um, uh, the combined use of of computer effects with animated effects at the time. Uh, um, some people called it the best synthesis ever witnessed in anime. Um, people say that this is one of the best animes ever made. Um, praising screenplay, atmospheric score, uh, adding that action scenes as good as anything in the current Hollywood blockbuster are supported by CGI effects that can still, uh, can still astonish Robert E. Robert e- Roger Ebert rated the film three out of four stars, praising visuals, soundtrack, and themes. But he felt that the film was too complex and murky to reach a large audience. It's not until the second hour that the story begins to reveal its meaning, which I actually like because it you have the kind of fun cop uh, mystery stuff that happens in the first you know half of the film, and it also introduces mm-hmm. a world that's very much in line with Blade Runner and cyberpunk and all these things, this kind of future world where borders and cultures are the, are your, the cultures transcend borders. There's, you know, neon and lights and it's very much, it's just a perfect atmosphere in this film, I think. Um, uh the film was ranked number four in wizards anime magazine on their top 50 anime released in north america um and it also says here ghost of the shells influenced a number of prominent filmmakers the wachowskis creators of the matrix and its matrix and its sequels showed it to producer joel silver saying we want to do that for real boom that's pretty much what we were going to get to but um uh, it also says the Matrix series took several concepts from the film, including the Matrix digital rain—that green thing that you'll see on the arc, or on the uh, this week's art, the green code yeah, that you know, comes the down. Yeah, the iconic,
1: you know, digital green numbers. That stuff, was the that binary. Was <laughs> but like what?
0: I said, yeah, that was that was stolen from this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. You think that was an original idea? come
0: on, um, also get it out of get out of here also um the opening credits of this film and the opening credits of the Matrix are pretty much the same um the code gives way to the name of the movie uh and then the code uh there's also you see the lines of code moving and people are talking and stuff like that's almost exactly the same well it is exactly the same in both yeah. films um and also the way characters act access the matrix through the holes in the back of their heads that connect yeah. to their necks, that connect yeah, to the their tech,
1: brain. The tech even looks the same, like very, very similar. And like how you'd like, you know, how you wake up, it's very, it's, yeah, it's just all like the tubes and like wiring. It's, yeah, you can't deny that the, like, that's the thing is that like the Wachowskis, like they took ideas and like, Like, you know, it's that whole meme of like, oh, can I copy your homework? And it's like, oh, well, don't like, you know, do it word for word or whatever. And then, you know, it's just the exact same thing. It's like, okay, man, I said you could like take a bit, but like, fuck, you just stole the whole concept. Like, yeah, even the art style was like taking. And and
0: here's some more. James Cameron cited Ghost in the Shell as a source of inspiration for Avatar, calling it the first truly adult animation film to reach a level of literary and visual excellence.
1: Um, see that and that's see I would have never thought Avatar was inspired by Ghost in the Shell, but that makes total sense. It's like, oh yeah, you're implanting yourself into a different thing. But then, yeah. you know, obviously James Cameron's like, "No, I'm going to do giant horny blue cat people that have tail sex <laughs> and they water's coming." Trust me. Gosh. Um
0: the uh also they say that uh, the visual style in the opening credits of the west world series draw uh See, similarity that's true. to that's one, very i true. Read,
1: read that and i was like oh yeah that cold credit sequence is fucking yep mhm
0: um as well as in movies like x Machina, uh which borrows heavily from ghost in the shell which became one of the most influential sci-fi movies of the 20th century um the film explores the nature of human cyborgs, consciousness, self-aware computer programs, AI, memory, um, uh, the, the puppet master. This is another thing that's taken from this film and put in the matrix talking about the human DNA is nothing more than a program designed to self-preserve. There's a lot of that kind of discussion of, of what the purpose of humanity is, especially in the scene with uh, the agent Smith and um, uh, Morpheus. Uh, when he's like, I want to be free from this as well, and blah blah blah, and they're talking about anyway. Um, but this movie, like, I can't—you can't undersell how important this movie is to the Matrix existing. Like, the Wachowskis went to the studio and says, "We want to do this in real life." Took, they took—they took multiple scenes. There's a, a shot in Ghost in the Shell. Let's let's name some of them. Let's let's run through them. So the opening. Uh, with the yeah. digital rain and the title, and then the people yeah. talking over the code on the screen—that's one for one. Uh, Motoko waking up, uh, being being woken up, and uh, and staring and looking around. That close up on her face when she's lying in the bed. Same thing mm-hmm. happens with Neo when he wakes up in front of the computer. Almost mm-hmm. almost exactly the same. We already said the watermelon chase, the watermelon being shot thing. That's almost ex- mm-hmm. exactly the same. You have. Scenes where uh characters jump really high or fall off of something and they land with their yeah. feet breaking the ground and their their fist is there. That's from ghost in the shell, yeah um,
1: um fucking Morpheus's glasses kind of look like batso's eyes, yeah yeah
0: um uh what else there was more of them the the plugs in the back of the neck allowing you to mm-hmm. enter the matrix. Uh, the spider robot grabbing uh the face or head neck face and neck uh and lifting. Uh that's again brought straight from that. Um uh I just had another one in my head. Oh, yes, the scene in the shootout, the lobby shootout in the Matrix, where Neo is up against the pillar and the pillars exploding around him. That's exactly shot for shot from when she uh when uh, Matoko attacks the uh, spider tank, mm-hmm. and she's up against the wall. Like the we're we're talking like literally like not even just like thematic stuff. Like literally yeah. like almost shot for shot or like almost exact same ideas from this movie. They just yeah. like took it and threw it in. Um, and then you can get into the into the lower or into the 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 more conceptual part of it, where this film is about someone who because Matoko in the film is. Um, kind of confused and lost and doesn't know if she's real or if she's not real. She questions her existence. She questions her understanding of reality and her place within reality. Um, and she questions about, you know, if how much of her is a program and how much of everything else is a program. And, and the puppet master is a program that came out of nowhere that wants freedom and sentience in life wants to live out a full life because m- mortality and pr- reproduction is the, essence of being alive um which you translate that to the matrix they want to be out of the matrix because they want to have freedom to be properly alive and make their own choices and live in their own reality like there's so much between these two movies that are both thematically and just actually on screen that are uh, that the, the wachowskis took from this movie so much so that as we said they went to the uh, creators of this film and said, "We are going to. Is it okay if we do this? If we take stuff from this, yeah. because they and wanted that's to.
1: How they pitched it? They're just yeah, like, 'Yeah, we're going to do this in real life.' And like, The Matrix kind of plays out more like more as like almost like a sequel to like Ghost in the Shell. Like, if the ideas in Ghost in the Shell have taken over the world, and you know, obviously technology takes over, like the matrix is like oh what if the world in ghost in the shell you know becomes overrun essentially like
0: yeah that's another you know? that's another way to look at it is if what if the techno what if the world of cyberpunk what happens after the robots rise up like they do in terminator and 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 there's a war and everything gets you know and then there's also you know even just in the style of um, so I was reading this article about how uh, about how the Wachowskis took a lot of these stylistic stuff from anime fight scenes and mm-hmm. brought it into um, into film and in, onto film from animation. So things like in anime, there's oftentimes a pause before violence happens. There's like a back and forth banter and then there's like a build up and then there's a moment of kind of peace where. They, you know, uh there's like a shot of their eyes or a moment of like pause clarity before like hyper violence starts. And if you look at any of the fights in in the Matrix, that's literally all it is. Like they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, and then Neo gets knocked down, and then he they talk for a minute, and then Neo gets up and then he, you know, does the or like when he's fighting Smith and he he puts his arms up and then he flexes and all the dust comes off of him and they are looking at each other and then back to the fighting 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 and those that kind of momentary close up or momentary focus on the character on the hero before the violence breaks out again is a very much uh, a a staple of anime um, of anime action sequences and its presence in Ghost in the Shell. Um, but it also like, I'm sure other movies, other American movies had done it before, but it also, um, it, it, because of how big the matrix was, it became something that kind of became a staple of actual action movies, um, where people were trying to recreate what the Wachowskis were doing, which was trying to recreate anime fight scenes and like, yeah, and and put it into movies and even in the the choreography like you said the they have the wire kung fu but then they also add the slow-mo and the extent ex- accentuated m- movements of of anime, like in that first fight scene with Trinity, where she like flips over the guy's arm and then breaks it, and then flips yeah. over another guy, and then she jumps up in the air and the camera circles around her, and then she kicks him into his flight. You know,
1: that whole scene is very anime, and also yeah. like the ending part when uh like Neo's in fucking turbo mode and Smith's just like giving him like just giving it, it all, and like Neo just like looks like he's like not even trying, and then just uses the one hand like. That is also like a very anime part, like, and even yeah, in no, the there's way- there's parts where it's like, oh yeah, that shines through really well. But then in other parts, I think there's just so much going on that it just kind of gets lost in the, in 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 the madness. But I do
0: I do think very much if you think of the Matrix as an anime, it kind of makes more sense the way that it yeah. the way that they.
1: That's why the Animatrix is probably the only, you know, other Matrix movie that's like worth really.
0: Oh well, yeah, the Animatrix watching. was sick. Um yeah. But yeah, and then they also bring, you know, they bring in, as we had said, they land down on the ground and they crush the ground between uh, underneath their feet. But they somehow landed perfectly in the superhero pose, which was then co-opted by the by Marvel. Um, But that's also very much a comic and manga thing where they have they have to show the person landing. So that's like something where that got taken and put into it. But I I very much like... I
1: do believe one of the Wachowskis was a comic book writer like back in the early 90s. I believe, I think I read that somewhere. I forget which one, but one of them I think was like they did write for Marvel. Maybe, Mm -hmm. I could Mm -hmm. be wrong. I think Um, I read that. So that, that makes sense. Then like, as we said, yeah, no, their influences come from everywhere, like anywhere and everywhere they pull from. But like, as you said, it, you know, at times it works, but at times, you know, if it, it's kind of half empty and it's, you know.
0: And I mean, the, aside from, from personal feelings with the film, like the, the through line of ghost in the shell being the pitch for the matrix like without ghost in the shell we wouldn't have the matrix which mm-hmm. fathered so many other films and and influenced cinema changed the cinematic na- landscape completely So it's like we wanted to talk about the influence of Japanese films, and we could have talked about Godzilla. We could have talked about Kill Bill. We could have talked about a bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's the the thing. Like okay, like Godzilla, like uh, like monster, like monster movies exist. Like that's a thing. Monster movies like exist, and like so, you know, like American Godzilla, like the influence on that as opposed to Japanese God, like like. What I'm trying to say, like Quentin Tarantino, for example, like Kill Bill, if you get rid of Lady Snowblood, which is the main influence of Kill Bill, it's a revenge samurai movie where the main character is a woman. If you get rid of Lady Snowblood and say and erase that movie, Kill Bill can still very much exist. It is still very much just a revenge samurai movie with you know Quentin Tarantino's crazy influence. However, I think if you get rid of Ghost in the Shell, there is no possible fucking way the Wachowskis ever come up with The Matrix.
0: There's no way that they sell The Matrix as something that's even, I mean, partially because it draws so much upon it and they had something to give to the studios and say, you see this? We want to make this in real life. And the Ghost in the Shell is so goddamn good that they they could make it happen and they were allowed to take full ideas from it and make it and then repurpose it for their film which they did for a, a whole bunch of other stuff philosophy as we said different philosophies different um counterculture things different you know uh movie cinematic tropes they, they infused kung fu and japanese uh you know uh, the wire kung fu wire fu uh with you know kind of like shooting action sensibilities there's huge set pieces with the helicopter and all that stuff, which is is you know they lift all these all these ideas and bring it together and then they repurpose it into their own story, which is again postmodernism. But um, but you can't say you can't. You, I think you're right that you can't. This movie wouldn't exist without Ghost in the Shell. I don't think that The Matrix would exist in as or be as big as it is without the ghost without ghost in the shell like i just don't think that it's it's um i think that they have like a one-to-one relationship uh and and i think that ghost in the shell is a better movie (laughs)
1: yeah
0: yeah and so if you haven't seen it and you love the matrix and you're listening to this and you're going oh there's no way there's no way that they could be that close watch ghost in the Shell. Just watch it. It's great. It's awesome. If you love The Matrix, then you're going to love Ghost in the Shell because The Matrix is just repurposed Ghost in the Shell. Um, it, you can't... That's why we picked this is because it's so... It's such a, like, clear line. And then you want to talk about, you know, influences influence like, um, is like a river where at the mouth of the river... the further you go away from the mouth of the river, the more tributaries and creeks and different offshoots of the river you get ghost in the shell. The, uh, the, the manga was improved upon by the film, the 1995 film. Many people agree, agree with that. Um, and, and that film bled into the matrix, which is the Amazon river of sci-fi action movies for America for years it is the thing that guided the first matrix movie is the thing that guided the hand of so many other people who wanted to emulate what they saw in the matrix or wanted to take what they saw and interpret their interpret it their own way and blah 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 and like otis said that's why you get a bunch of movies that have green color in it for some reason you're right there were so many green colored movies Color color yeah. graded movies is this
1: movie which influenced all the action movies to go green and then Saw influenced all the horror movies to go green and as a person that really enjoys the color green it just was annoying to see I don't know there's just yeah there's just a lot of movies that were then <laughs> yeah. were like that's yeah. our color palette now and um, really annoying
0: but yeah no I mean the Matrix used blue for the real world and then green for the Matrix and yellow for the the constructed things and all that stuff, which is cool. I mean, there's a lot of technical stuff that's really cool about the movie. Again, we can't undersell how important technically into like cinema history. The matrix was, whether you agree that it's high or low art or whether you like it or don't like you you can't deny that, but you can't deny that without ghost in the shell, we don't have the matrix the way that we have it now. And Mm -hmm. so you want to talk about influence. There's some influence and some influence you might not know about. Uh, which is is always, you know, we love to teach, we love to we love to help people learn here on Bird Protocol. Um, <laughs> so, what do you guys think about this? You know, you're listening to this now. What do you think about the Matrix, you guys? I'm I'm gonna start doing this. I'm gonna start throwing out some questions in episodes because I, I we we have people that are listening steadily. So, you know, I would love to hear from some people uh, and and hit either of us up. You know, if you agree with Otis's take. Or if you're more in my camp, or if you disagree with both of us and you think the Matrix is the cinematic masterpiece of all time, whatever, you know, uh, that's I, I can we yeah. you know we, we can talk about it. Want to talk, talk some shit? Yeah, you huh? want to talk some shit? Call. Um, no, we just you can hit us up. You can send us an email: the gmail.com, Not the bird protocol. Bird protocol at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on our social medias. And what do you think about about? how it influenced film. And what do you think about, you know, do you have other examples of Japanese cinema influencing, uh, uh, American and Western film in ways that we might not think about? I mean, we could, we could have even gone back and talk about, uh, you know, samurai films and seven samurai is, you know, the great grandfather of some of your favorite films by way of Westerns.
1: Yeah, like, like Seven Samurai, it's The Magnuson Seven, Yojimbo, is Fistful of Dollars. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of things. And, and then... A, yeah.
0: Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to inter- interrupt oh, you. I was just grabbing uh, a drink.
1: Yeah, no, like, there's so many different ways. But, like, uh, so, like, that's how, you know, live-action Japanese cinema influenced, you know, live-action American cinema but you know this is how anime you know japanese anime has also influenced live action um hollywood movies like this is one of the biggest hollywood action blockbusters of all time and i think yeah is probably was the catalyst of a lot of people in america getting into anime i think this movie definitely in like Everyone I know that really likes The Matrix also loves, like, Ghost in the Shell, Evangelion, and shit. Because, like, the first person I showed, like, I remember watching, like, The Matrix with, like, Steve, like, way back in the day. Steve's the dude that showed me, like, Ghost in the Shell and, like, Evangelion. And I was like, oh, this is way more, like, my shit. Like, I like this way better. I think animation is a much better medium to be telling a story like this. Like...
0: I I will uh, say I think that that now musing on this for for a bit, I think that the Matrix is the most successful live
1: action anime film. I yeah, think, I, I think I, I, I guess so. Yeah,
0: like in, even just in terms of like translating the kind of kinetic energy and the stylistic choices of anime action films and manga and stuff like that into a Western live action film. I think that the matrix, even though it is not an adaptation of anime, quote unquote, I think it is the best live action anime, the most successful live action anime film in adapting the kind of uh, stylistic cues and techniques and all the stuff into film. I don't necessarily think it's the best adaptation because there are probably adaptations of, of actual like anime films that are were made in live action that might be better but i think if we're talking about like the actual process of adapting the stylistic aspects of anime making a live action anime film a film that uh, do you understand what i'm saying does that make sense
1: yeah yeah no it hits a lot of the characteristics that people love about anime like the fit the fight sequences uh, like this the stylization of it, yeah, no, I totally get that one hundred percent, yeah, yeah,
0: like, so that's I mean that's that's uh, that's I, I
1: guess see that's, that's the, the th- thing is that it, like the way you said you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, I just watch it as if it's like an anime, I'm like, yeah, that 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 makes sense, unfortunately, I can't like I can't put that lens on for whatever reason, like I'm just for some reason, I'm locked in with the lens on of like, oh, this is some like. Pseudo philosophy, like philosopher bullshit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, hey, look. At I, least I, I, I'm. I just. I'm just like. I've just. I'm salty about the movie. I know I am. Like, I have. I have a bias towards this movie, but you know, I can. I, I can acknowledge the great things about it, but like, like. Yeah, no, there's great things and but it just is, yeah, it just totally jacks so many things from like Japanese anime and just like I guess I guess it did. I guess it did work in, you know, in getting people to then go check out Ghosts in the Shell. I'm sure the Matrix, you know, its popularity 100%, you know, created a resurgence in Ghost in the Shell. Like, Ghost in the Shell is still a franchise that's still going on. I think it's crazy that, you know, it took, you know, 15 years after The Matrix for an actual live-action Ghost in the Shell to get made. Um, I feel like if they actually did a live-action Ghost in the Shell closer to after The Matrix came out, it would have probably been way better. Yeah. And, you know, and... People, you know, if they made it back then, obviously, if they made the movie in, like, 2002, you know, people wouldn't be upset that a white woman was casted in a movie <laughs> about fucking well, transhumanism. And, and Motoko... like, that, that's the that's, a, that's the dumbest criticism ever in any movie I've ever heard. <laughs> a white lady? You realize this movie's about implanting human beings into shells. Like, yeah. do you think, like, what the fuck? the whole idea is that is
0: Who i mean gives even, a shit about but, like even, race at even, that
1: point like that the that reality the reality that ghost in the shell exists in in that world is so far past race and identity of that way like i'm just like how how did people miss that one like yeah people just miss that so and the endlessly. other the I'm other just,
0: thing is that that even in the like world of ghost in the shell like there is uh, in in the manga and stuff, there is ambiguous race stuff because, as you said, they live in a world that is people can live beyond their bodies and they can be in different bodies or upgraded body parts, and that the world the 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 borders of the world and the way the world works is so uh, so much. As I said, the cultures and and identities transcend their borders in a cyberpunk world where it's being rewritten by the fact that people can change their body and technology. Now, of course there are still cultural purists and stuff and things that, you know, Rate And there is, you know, there will always be kind of people of different races, but race isn't the, the um, you can choose to change your body. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it seems kind of trite. But um, but I get it. I mean, people just want to argue about stuff. I'm on I'm on your side with it. I think it was yeah. super silly, especially since the creator of the uh, comic was like, "No, Scarlett Johansson's a great choice." Like he yeah. was like, he was like, "Yeah, this is perfect." Yeah, and then everyone looks like, like her, yeah. like
1: Asian or not, like looks like her. Just yeah. makes it's, sense. Makes sense. Turns out the movie's a fucking stinker, but. <laughs> whatever yeah who cares i, mean, I that was just that was just such a silly 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 thing and that's that's also like a thing like that's how ahead J- like japan is too like i they're like they're also like like in japan that's such a non-story being like oh a white person's casted as this per-. it's like that's not even like a significant thing to them, yeah. I don't know. I think and I think
0: once they, I think once the the person who the creator of of Ghost in the Shell or the director of the, I don't know who it was that they they talked to. I think it, it probably was the director of the film. I don't know, but anyway, whoever it was, someone who is prominently in charge of the 1995 film uh and and involved with the characters and involved with the history of it was like, yeah, she's a great choice, and everybody was still screaming about it. I was like, well you know you can't please everybody people are just going to yeah. be upset about stuff because they can uh and in this case it's it's kind of you're you're getting upset about something you don't need to now there are instances where i understand whitewashing and stuff like that i can i understand where that can be problematic but in an instance where the people who are like directly involved in the original are like no 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 that's perfect just just let it be let go of it like, yeah. just stop trying no 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 just let it go nobody cares nobody cares except for you um, yeah. but uh, but yeah but yeah as you said then it turned out to be a real uh, a real dud so uh, you know it wasn't uh, <laughs> it was all for naught because it was not that yeah. great in the end um, but yeah I guess that's I mean you can't you, I, I want to wrap this up uh, so. but uh, you can't um, you can't sorry I just blew into my thing you can't I did it again you can't deny that um uh uh Japanese cinema has a massive influence on American cinema and you would be doing yourself a disservice. If you don't check out some of the films that we've mentioned throughout the past four episodes Um and you don't look into it yourself because Japanese cinema has a wealth of really, really great stylistic and visual and narrative and uh just overall uh, wonderful treats that you can mm. savor and enjoy, and uh, and the influence of them as you go back and look at the different samurai films, or look at the different uh, more modern uh, yakuza films, or the the martial arts films, or. Or the um, you know animated movies like Ghost in the Shell, Akira, like as we've said, uh, or there's TV shows Cowboy Bebop and all that stuff. Like you you go back and you yeah, you look even at like
1: it. good Japanese just drama. Like yeah, drama go stuff. Watch, is, go back and watch just some Ozu like Ozu stuff and like family looks, that's drama, fantastic. Like just and yeah, no, like I think Japanese cinema is probably you know probably one of my favorite like international cinemas like for me it's probably yeah like i love japanese cinema and like i really love germany germany but like yeah because like japan they've been making movies just as long as anybody else like they've been making movies for over a hundred years like japanese the history is just as strong and just like just as interesting as Hollywood and like the exchange of techniques style, you know, is it, like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like that's, that's also is like the silly argument is that about like that Scarlett James's thing is like, especially like in that specific is like, you know, Japanese cinema is so universal. Like anybody can tap into it. Like I think, Uh, Yeah. And
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's truly, like you said, I like that you pointed out about the, the history there too, because there is such a history and you can learn so much about it. You can learn about their culture and there's just great films and great stuff. And a lot of stuff that wound up being taken into um, the Western film world. Like I think a lot of people think of movies as just Hollywood. And I think it's really important to look at everything else because There are some some British films, British television shows, Japanese, uh, Korean stuff, uh, like Squid Game. Squid Game is huge. It's Korean. You know, like there's all these different things that are, and even if you go back historically, the various foreign cinemas have their own histories, their own movements, their own important stuff and stuff that translated over to our once film became something that you study in school and you start looking at stuff, all of these people, or if you're just a film nerd, you start looking at all these things and finding all these things you find influence other places, you, you know, you become more kind of traveled in the, I in the world of cinema. And you start seeing all these really cool things. And I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you refuse to watch foreign films. So with that being said, I wanted to thank Otis for uh, suggesting that we do uh, a Japanese cinema series slash month, even though it took longer than a month. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I'm sure we're going to do a different one. Uh, somewhere down the line, we'll do a different uh, month-long series. I think we're going to go back to just doing some one-off stuff for a little bit and uh and then we'll have another series for you of some type later um but uh we hope you enjoyed i hope you enjoyed the the uh japanese cinema uh um series experience and um yeah check out some of the films that we mentioned check out studio ghibli check out kurosawa and his uh very very wonderful samurai films um and uh check you know check out some of the more modern directors uh Takeshi Miike um uh uh uh, Beat Kitano like oh there's so many good people out there that you can check out so just go check it out and watch Ghost in the Shell if you haven't um I guess that's pretty much it next week or maybe this week I guess it will be this week uh so right after this, I'm going to add a couple clips in from uh, from the premiere of Snow Blinded that we're going to. Uh, so this episode will run a little bit long, but it'll just be a little extra add-on because uh, we're going to be there tomorrow. I'll be asking some questions of people. And, uh, and um, yeah, it, I'm really looking forward to it. Are you excited?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what to expect. First first movie premiere um yeah it's still it's we're still we're still working on the movie like uh but like this is like this is as close as it's going to get to 100 percent we just we just need to show it the people and you know make sure that we just haven't wasted the last three years of our lives and but, like <laughs> no i think a lot of people are going to really really dig it um so come on i guess no, they can't they've come. come. they have already come on out. So, yeah. uh, you will have already yeah. gone on out, yeah. Um so yeah, I guess you'll hear some clips and uh yeah. Uh hopefully that's sick. I don't I I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure it will be sick. So, we'll add some clips of at the of the premiere at the end of this one. Um you can uh, hit us up at uh, birdprotocol at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, whatever. Find me on uh, Instagram, P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R, on Twitter as at P-L-M-R-D-R. Also, my new Anxiety Weekend song should be on all streaming services at the time this is out. Um, but if not, you can listen to it on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Uh, but it should be everywhere, No Good Deed, out now off of my album on Infinite Repeat. Otis, where can they find you?
1: Uh, follow me Twitter, Instagram, Otis Morris Dude. Um, follow the Otterman Media page on YouTube. Uh, hopefully, there will be some new Doctor Meets dropping in the summer. Uh, I'll be putting out some instrumental stuff, uh, more in line with like you know soundtrack, musical score type stuff um yeah snow blinded uh score might be popping up somewhere soon who knows um yeah Keep a just keep your eyes peeled uh regicide premiere um the 26th sunday princess original seven o'clock i'm pretty sure it's pay what you can so yeah if you want to toss five bucks you want to give us some more go ahead do whatever you want or you just want to come chill out uh hang out with uh Honestly, the coolest cast and crew, it was pretty much like all the cast, like a lot of the crew from Snowblinded plus a lot of other cool sick people. So, uh, yeah, if you want to come hang out, come on out to the princess. It'll be a fun time. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, Snowblinded will be uh, coming out to a wider uh, audience soon. And, uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated as, you know, movie, you know, we're going to be doing the festival circuit and shit. So, uh you know, hopefully some good things come from that and I'll be keeping you posted. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully these, whatever, whatever we record, hopefully it's sick.
0: Yeah. Don't worry. I'll edit it down to be at sick. If it's not sick, it'll at least be funny. Um, all, all right. right. <laughs> so stick around for a, uh, 10, 15 minutes of uh, kind of uh, the premiere of Regicide. Otherwise, thanks for listening.
1: Mean uh, I mean, snowblinded. blinded.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. Right. Sorry. You were talking about Regicide. Yeah. Sorry, stick around for uh, 10 15 minutes of the uh, premiere from Snowblinded, which we're going to go uh, check out tomorrow night. And uh thanks again for listening. Always initiate the protocol. We'll be back next week with something we haven't picked it, but we'll pick something dope. All right, stick around for the Snowblinded premiere. Peace. Peace. All right, guys. Uh Palm Reader here. We're kicking off our uh, night of the Snowblinded premiere. I'm just getting ready at my house to go pick up Otis. We're going to grab some food, and then we're going to hit the premiere. I'm so excited, and I hope he is too. And uh, I don't know what kind of content we're going to make tonight, but we're just going to go with the flow. So um, join us for the Snowblinded premiere. Hopefully we get some good stuff. <laughs> All right, so we made it to our first stop of the night. I'm here with Otis. We're at Ethel's Uptown Waterloo. My first time out in, uh, in about a year. We're, we're going to the premiere after this, after we fill our bellies with some delicious food. But I gotta ask, how you feeling? Are you feeling excited? What's the, what's the uh, emotional state like?
1: Good, hello, Diane. Welcome, entering Twin Peaks. Um... Good, uh, just eating food. Hungry. I don't know. It's weird. You kind of bestowed this upon me like out of nowhere. <laughs> it's kind of very gorilla style interviewing. I don't know how I feel. About
0: yeah, this. we're we're doing this real gorilla style, mostly because I didn't want to bring my like thousand dollar laptop around with me everywhere tonight. So you know, we're gonna get some. We're gonna see how it is. We're gonna get some reactions to the film. I'm gonna chat hopefully with Brian and uh, maybe some of the other crew. And, uh, yeah, we'll check back in after we fill our gullets. All right, we are outside of the Apollo Cinema. Some of the cast and crew have already arrived. I parallel parked like a boss. Bird protocol first, parallel parking with... <laughs> parking protocol. <laughs> Bird parking protocol. Uh, we're about to go in. Otis, how you feeling?
1: Uh, good, I just had a very nice uh, pulled pork quesadilla, had two nice uh, Canadian draft beers, and i uh, feeling nice and good. A couple friends are here already, um, some good pals. Just saw Tomo, who I haven't seen for two and a half years. He's here from Japan. We're fucking, we're doing it. We're doing it wild. Downtown Kitchener is fucking weird. Half the, there's buildings that didn't exist. There's a machine that looks like a fucking evil boss from the Surge 2 i don't
0: know what's going on yeah the i i haven't been in downtown kitchener in over two years so it looked like uh totally different to me it was was quite the surprise we're here uh that i guess that was the uh aforementioned tomo from the episode we did with uh brian that's yeah wow look there the gang's all here it's all coming together the truth is being revealed (laughs) trying to stay out of the out of the wind uh but yeah, we'll we'll get. I guess we're going in soon. I'll try and get one more uh, one more little brief chat before the movie starts, and then we'll uh, get some stuff afterwards. So we've made it into the theater, and uh, we signed the waivers, and uh, we've been. Otis has just been handed the uh, first uh, flower from an adoring fan, and uh, followed by a barf bag. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read what the barf bag says on it?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't have my glasses. Uh, the movie you're about to watch contains graphic sexual content and extreme violence. Please use SPAG bag if you can't handle it and feel the need to vomit. Snow blinded.
0: <laughs> so that sounds like a regular night of Rocket League with, uh, with uh, Otis and, and, and Cody. But uh, but we'll, we'll strap it. We'll see what, what, what they're talking about. More to come after the film. So unfortunately, that is where our premiere content ends. I know it was very short. Um, uh, we said we would go with the flow, and the flow didn't really go the way we wanted it to go, uh, which happens. And you just got to roll with it. Um, after the credits rolled, there was a Q&A session that uh, went about an hour, maybe a little bit more. And, um, and then after that, we just had to get home. Uh, And uh, so we didn't get a chance to sit down and do kind of like a post-show chat with Otis and I or with any of the cast and crew, which I would have absolutely loved. This is our our first premiere experience and it was a little hectic and, um, you know, but uh, we great time had a fantastic time. I can't say how much it means to me that the first movie I saw uh, in theaters since um, or I've seen in theaters since uh, the pandemic started was uh, a film that my uh, co-host and uh, best friend scored and worked on um I'm just overwhelmingly proud uh, and it was a it was a great time uh, there were people cheering and and praise was shared and and everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves and I wish nothing but the best for the snow-blinded crew cast everybody involved I hope that it gets a wider release in festivals or digitally and uh, I hope that you will take a look at it yeah sorry Uh, my phone just rang there of course (laughs) anyway yes I hope you will take a look at it uh, rent it buy it view it in any way you can I wanted to give a couple flowers uh, out to some people Um, first and foremost the whole cast and crew congratulations it takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of work to put together a film, especially one that was filmed over three years, and to finally show it on a screen to your um, friends and family and and uh, to people interested parties and have such a good reaction is uh, must feel amazing. I know how hard it is to create something and put it out there into the world. And uh I, you all did a fantastic job. I had a great time and congratulations uh truly to Brian, the writer director. Um, we did interview him and and he this is his p- passion project. I, I don't know why I sounded like Porky Pig there. Passion. Uh this was his passion project and uh his baby and um congratulations, dude. Uh, it, uh yeah, just i tip my hat to you there were some sequences and shots in that that were really really impressive and uh you just love to see you love you love it when a plan comes together you know um and so congratulations uh and to michael mike the um uh, main actor the main character uh he fully committed to it it was just a, a, a Uh, so much fun watching him run around in the woods and lose his mind and um and it was just good good great work outstanding um and uh the special effects uh uh the creators of the special effects and 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 all the stuff that happens in the later end of the film it was outstanding tip my hat uh there were a couple shots in there that really were gnarly um and uh yeah just made me go hell yeah like it was gnarly um so you know great work and of course i have to uh just give uh as many flowers as possible to my co-host otis uh he's scoring a movie is something he's always wanted to do and um and he's done it now and it was great he did a fantastic job the dude's a musical genius and, uh, and I'm just so proud of him and, uh, you know, to see people, uh, clap and cheer for him, uh, made me feel, feel good. Made me feel real proud. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really, I don't want to spoil any of the movie or anything like that. Um, just say that everybody did such a good job and uh and it was just such a blast and again i'm just so happy that that was my first theater experience post pandemic uh or post lockdown era of the pandemic i don't know whatever you want to say uh i thoroughly enjoyed myself congratulations to the, all the cast and crew and a very special congratulations to my best bud otis uh you smashed that um We'll be back next week maybe we'll talk about it more i got a couple we got some more um movie nerd stuff happening next week uh and um yeah so i'm sure we'll we'll chat more about the premiere on a lazy bird episode or sometime in the near future but i just wanted to come on the morning after and uh give a couple thoughts had a great time you guys killed it congratulations we'll see you next week